okay, I got a problem, and I don't know how much longer I can take it. Because we literally have eight more days before we can hunt here in Georgia. You guys are going to be hearing this the day before youth season starts for Georgia. So I am fired up. The time has come. It's time, boys. This is the Strut South Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. Today is episode number 29, and we got Steve Stoltz on here with us. Steve is with Woodhaven Custom Calls. He's been all over the place chasing turkeys. He's been doing it for a while. He really knows his stuff. Steve's just an awesome, awesome guy. Great guy to talk to. If you ever get a chance to meet him, go up to him, talk to him. You won't regret it. Today, we get on a lot of different subjects with Steve. We talk about calling to gobblers with hens or without hens. We talk about weather. We talk about his run in the Grand Nationals for the past couple years. And there's a lot of other stuff in here. So I just hope you guys enjoy and let's get to it. It's here. It's time. All right, everybody, we're back with another episode. We've got Steve Stoltz on here with us today. We did a podcast with him, I want to say it was back in August, during or right before deer season. Um, I think that was episode seven or eight, maybe, and it was a really good one. We talked about targeting bucks and stuff like that, but we got him on here today to talk some turkey. Uh, what's going on, Steve? Hey, man. Uh, Ryan, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, back on the program. I guess I didn't get fired from the last show. <laughs> no, no, no. We definitely wanted you back on here. We love having we love having returning guests. Well, uh, I appreciate it. You know, this is that time of year where those turkeys are starting to gobble. And and uh, I, I, I really, as I get older, you know, I'm I'm I've been in the big whitetails since we started Drury Outdoors in 1989, actually. Um, and then, of course, met Jay and Greg, Jay, uh, Gregory and Don Kiske and Mark Terry and I started kind of getting really into big whitetails. Um, but it 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 will well, big whitetails will wear you out i mean it's a year-long uh commitment yeah and time and money and resources and you think about it uh turkey hunting is just the opposite i'm not saying it's easy but it's just it's it's a it's an action sport uh it's a sport that you just the, the the gobble of the wild turkey is alluring like no other sound known to mankind if you're a hunter. And like Tom Kelly is quoted as saying, you don't hunt turkeys because you want to. You hunt turkeys because you have to. And yeah. that's just how I feel. And I'm making a long way around saying as I get older, I'm going back to where I'm starting to love turkey hunting as much or more than deer hunting. <laughs> yeah, I I can kind of see what you mean. I mean, with deer, deer is more of a of a mind game, um, and it's just you, you got to be out there a lot. 
to get a chance, especially if you're hunting a really, really big deer. I mean, you've got to, you've really got to get in there on them. You know, uh, exactly. And, and, and when you're to your point, a mature deer is, uh, is hunting, a, a, a an animal that's, that's the supreme game animal of North America. Right. And, you know, uh, it, it just, just, just drains you. That's is all I can say, uh, in so many ways where spring turkey hunting is just relax, get out there, hear them gobble. You know what, if, if you feel like taking a nap during the day, take a nap, get up, refresh, go, go after it again. If you want, go get one roosted. If you don't feel like, if you can hunt all day and don't feel like hunting in the evening, just go roost one and be set up better for the next morning. You're, you can hunt at your own pace during spring turkey season um, where whitetails isn't, isn't exactly like that at all. I mean, you, you, you have to go at it when the opportunity is there. Um, you know, I'm not saying you have to hunt all hard all the time, but you have, you have to hunt smart at the right times. And um, there's no let up there at those right times. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I guess as I get older, and I think the, uh, the audience that is listening uh, to this podcast will agree that spring turkey hunting is just fun, man. It's fun. Yeah. And, and I, I just don't know a sport that's, in, that's more fun at all. Uh, uh, I, I know I'll go to my grave loving spring turkey hunting probably more than anything that I can do in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, so we'll get going here. Uh, we're going to do some, rapid fire q a um all right you just give me some short answers and we'll just we'll just run right through them all right all right um pb and j or grilled cheese sandwich Ooh, tough choice but i'd have to say (laughs) (laughs) i'd have to say pb and j since i love peanut butter okay well there's really with that question there's there's really no wrong answer (laughs) no all right, um, dogs or cats? Oh, dog, definitely. I'm allergic to cats. All right. <laughs> uh, favorite TV show? Well, uh, right now I'd have to say American Idol. I, and there's a long story to that, but I've just been a big fan of of the stars that have come from that show and how they produce that show. And, and of course, now um, the Grand Nationals, even the National Wild Turkey Federation, has gone to the American Idol voice format. So, um, big, yeah. big fan of that show. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, favorite breakfast? I'd say two eggs with the yolk broke and ham. Good deal. Can't no go bread. wrong. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> All right. Last one. If you won the lottery, Today, what's the first thing you would buy? The state of Iowa. <laughs> That's an awesome answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you could <laughs> you could really make the, the return back on your money with the way that land. Definitely, definitely. All right, well, we'll get cranking here. We'll start talking some turkey stuff. Um, I know... Last time you and I spoke was at the Grand Nationals at the uh, NWTF convention, um, mm-hmm. and you uh, you made the finals uh, for second year in a row. Um, did you? Uh, yeah. How how did you guys enjoy that? I know you and um, 
I think it was Scott and Billy, Billy as well. All three of y'all yeah. made the finals. We all three made the finals. <laughs> and if you listen to it, by the way, you can listen to the finals. Just go to WW. Well, actually go to, uh, if you have Facebook, you can go to just type in NWTF Facebook page, National Wild Turkey Federation Facebook page. Go to their page, go to their videos, and scroll over until you get to the Senior Grand National Finals, and you can watch the entire thing on your phone or on your computer. Um, so with that in mind, uh, the Grand National Senior Finals is, is always – that's the Super Bowl of turkey calling. So it's an honor to make the top 12 in that calling championship to be considered one of the top turkey callers in the nation. And I have had for many years made that finals and in fact uh, placed in it, won the Grand National Champion of Champions in 1998. But the Grand National Senior Division is the one, the only major turkey calling championship I have never won in my career. And so I'm, I decided to get back on, on the ball and start working. I worked uh, heavy, heavily with Scott Ellis, who, by the way, is the very best turkey call teacher known to mankind. If you don't go to Scott Ellis's Hunt Quest or uh, get his – actually, you need to get his Turkey Tech app called Turkey Tech. Just go to uh, Google Turkey Tech or gotgametech.com. And get Scott Ellis's app if you want to become a better turkey caller, turkey hunter. Uh, at any rate, Scott and I worked very heavily in the the project. Ryan was called DMSC 2018. Now this is 2019. I realize it, and that that stood for damn sure make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> and by gosh, we went to work, <clears throat> and it's a lot of work to to be able to compete with today's competition and um but we we went back to square one we we decided that my yelp wasn't scoring well anymore um it had gone i don't know what i was doing with the yelp but what we did is we 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 re we basically refound how i used to yelp back in the 80s and 90s what that good rollover turkey yelp with the nice pretty turnover in the middle of the yelp yeah and so we figured out how to get that back and then it went from there ryan i just uh then the next step was to uh buy a uh you know start working with the woodhaven people and getting material and frames that would uh fit my calling style which we do have calls in the line that that i was running um and it's amazing, by the way, since I switched to Woodhaven, how my scores start creeping up, by the way. And people talk about, uh, oh, you don't have to be a Grand National or World Champion caller to win or to uh, kill turkeys. And, 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 and I wholeheartedly agree with that. But I saw my scores really start to rise when I joined Woodhaven. And um, from there, uh, made the cut last year, end up. Uh, seventh overall, just a few points from the top five. And you talking about amazing turnaround from a guy that wasn't even making cuts, actually got out of it and was helping judge with the, uh, helped judge the Grand National Finals and, you know, basically was kind of a retired caller. Uh, but a few years back when I was a judge, I made the, the, the statement that 
that by listening to that Grand National Finals, it made me want to get back on that stage and have the judges critique me, which they're yeah. doing now. Like, like I said, they went to the voice format where they turn their backs and then listen to the caller. Then once the caller's done, the judges all turn around and give their critique to the, to the caller. It really gets the crowd interacted better with the contest and, and uh, <clears throat> has worked out really well. Well, that sparked that fire in me to want to get back and try that. And so now it's uh, now been two years. This is the second year I've made the finals. And when you look at the number of callers you're competing against, your Billy Arguses and your Jesse Martins and your Josh Grossenbacher, now Dave Owens and Scott Ellis and J.R. Lanham. And I mean, the list goes on and on. Mitchell Johnston, these guys that are always making the cuts. There's not many spots left in that top 12 for you to try and make. Yeah. So, um, somehow or another, I've figured it out. Maybe now it's Steve Stoltz is added to that list of, of, of guys that will steadily make the cut. And, and by the way, I plan to keep making the cut and keep calling well. And until I win it, that that's my goal. So there you go. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. i tell you what, man, I, <clears throat> that's one thing, especially last year, I noticed like when, when we were watching it in person, um, and I've told you this before, and I've told Scott Ellis, and I I just really enjoy watching you when you get up there to call because it just reminds me so much of being in the woods and actually turkey hunting. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> last year Preston Pittman made that uh, on his critique. He said, you of all the callers made it real turkey made it sound real turkey now that's supposed to should have won a grand national championship and taking nothing away from the winner but other judges may be looking for other things but as far i think the last two years i think this year as well as far as putting it together how you feel turkeys do it and sound in the timber i think i did as good a job as anybody um uh, so putting together isn't the problem. I probably, if, if I'm going to prove on, improve on anything and maybe have a better chance of winning it, now that I see how this is playing out with these scenario formats, is just put a little more call into it. Just add some more stuff to it, real stuff. But I mean, right. just call longer. When, when I'm getting, when I'm finishing calling, you get three minutes per scenario, two scenarios, so six minutes total. So to give the audience that's listening an example, I'm usually done calling by about two and a half minutes. I've gotten everything out that I want to do to paint that pretty picture that I want to paint. And the winners I've been noticing have been going all their full three minutes per scenario. Yeah. So not that any judge has said that's what's killing me. I, I'm just noticing that's the bigger difference between what the winners are doing and what the guys right out of the top five are doing. Um, right. So, you know, I'm not going to try and reinvent the wheel, uh, Ryan. I don't think that my sound qualities need to change any. I, I think I'm, what I'm doing is working. I think what I'm giving is turkey. And I just need to f- find the right set of judges and maybe go a little longer calling. And I could be hoisting that cup next year. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, and speaking of speaking of calling, uh Actually, first we'll we'll talk about um, your season and stuff like that. So you getting you're getting ready for the season. You told me before I am, we spoke. Uh, 
I, I open the season uh, almost every year, uh, usually every year, um, in Mississippi. Um, it opens on March 16th, I believe, Saturday, March 16th. So a week from today, I'll be driving south from my Iowa home down to uh, between Jackson and Hattiesburg, Mississippi, southeast Mississippi, and opening the season down there. And the beauty of that is where I'm at up here in Iowa, I mean, it's freezing cold. I mean, just this past weekend, we had uh, – this last weekend, I, I had below zero temperatures in the morning when I got up. Um, I can drive down there, and the dogwoods are blooming, azaleas. It's springtime, turkeys gobbling. So it's like driving to a different world at that time of year uh, compared to the mid uh, northern Midwest. Yeah, yeah. And actually, speaking on weather um, – that's one thing I had jotted down here is what are your thoughts on weather and like how it affects birds? Uh, it's everything. Uh, I, I, anytime you're speaking, speaking of spring turkey hunting, and by the way, I want to go uh, even take it further on the weather issue. It's even more prevalent early and late, early in the spring mating cycle and late is the weather. So, um, and even more importantly, early, uh, and here's why they're, they're, they've been, they've been wintering flocked up and, and then, then they go into a uh, dominance establishing period where they're gobbling, but they're really not gobbling to attract hens. They're gobbling at each other. They're gobbling at noises. They're blowing up, strutting and fighting each other for dominance, but they're really not, they're not breeding hens yet. Um, but then it gets to a point where the hens will start going to them and actually breeding. Um, before that happens, there's a magical period. And, and if I had to give a period of time, it could be five days, could be seven days. Uh, it could be 10 days where the hens aren't breeding them yet, but they're ready to breed. So if you get a cold, rainy, nasty weather, bad weather day, they're not going to gobble. They're, they're not going to be in the mood. On the other hand, the next day could be 80 degrees, 75, sunny, warm, high pressure, and boom, you'd be best. It could be the best spring turkey hunting you'll ever encounter because the hens aren't going to them yet. So when they hear a hen, they're coming. Uh, so weather is huge for early in the season. If you get good weather, you're going to have a good hunt. If you get nasty, <coughs> low pressure, wind, cold you're going to have a bad hunt i mean it's as simple as that so so weather will weather will dictate your hunt now i'm not saying you can't kill turkeys in bad weather and i'm not saying there's other you know there's not other avenues i'm just saying the hunt will be much tougher weather dependent um now when you get up in the peak where it's they're breeding and they're gobbling and the hens are going to them and it's peak mating season it may be a little harder to call them in but you're in the game whether the weather's good or bad because they're going to breed regardless. Regardless of what that weather's doing, they're going to breed. They're going to get off the limb, and they're going to get with hens, whether it's a good goblin morning or not. Right. So that's the biggest difference, Ryan. Yeah, I agree. And um, in, in my opinion, I think turkey's most favorite thing is sunlight. They love it. And um, I know – You know, I- 
I'm glad you brought that subject up because old my old turkey mentor, besides my father, who who taught me <clears> how to turkey hunt, was uh, Big Ed Moyers. And nobody that's listening to this probably has heard of Big Ed, but Eddie Moyers, he's still alive. He's 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 in his seventies, still a great turkey hunter. Can't get around as good as he used to, but. Big Ed, I always said my dad taught me how to hunt turkeys, and Big Ed taught me how to kill turkeys. And Eddie always said that if you get days, even now, uh, of course, here in the Midwest, talking a little different time frame than Georgia but um, uh, or South, but you get days, especially high-pressure, sunny days, sunny days. He, he always felt, and this is probably true, his theory was the sun was shining on a gobbler's back. And where are the gobbler's testicles located? Under their spine, on their back. And he felt that that warmth throughout the day warmed them up to get them generated to, to where they felt frisky the next morning. It could drop off to 25 degrees overnight, but if it was warm and sunny the day before, they're going to gobble good the next morning. Hmm. I've never, would, I've never thought of it that way, but that makes complete sense. Absolutely. It warms. And, and that was his theory. He's no bi, he's no biologist or anything like that. But I think there's some truth to it because I, I, I've just hardly ever seen a nice, pretty sunny day. Um, and then the and, and the and then it drop off a little cool that night where they're they just gobble their tails off the next morning. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the biggest questions I think a lot of people have. And that that's pretty it's a really, really good assumption there. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 you, and as while we're on a goblin subject, there is no rhyme or reason on it. You can, I will say this when you have a weather change and in particular, when the pressure changes to start rising and high, high barometric pressure rising rather than falling, um, you're going to get good gobbling activity. <clears throat> but that being said, Ryan, whenever you have a, a level off of, of, of weather, in other words, uh, barometric pressure hits 30 or 30.5 or 31 high pressure and now it's high pressure two three days that goblin activity will die off yeah then you have then you have a system come through and the pressure drops front comes through boom yeah after that front comes through goblin activity rises again it's just it's crazy um but it, it i will say that you you get three given days all the same weather there's only going to be maybe one or two of them that's really, really good goblin activity. And one of them, may it may be like, what happened to all the turkeys? So there's really no, hardly no rhyme or reason as far as exact, uh, tri- what exactly triggers goblin activity. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And, and it's almost, it's really, really almost like deer. I mean, especially if you, if anybody follows the, the, the jury philosophy, um, and the way they look at deer activity, deer movement, that's that's the same way they look at it. If there's a, if there's you know that that where it levels off, the weather levels off that three or four days of consistent weather. You know that first day, deer activity is usually really good. Second day is decent, and then it kind of peters out. And it's, I think it's the same exact way with turkeys. Um, you, you know, when you talk about turkey behavior, one of the things that Big Ed always taught me, and, and, and I stick by it, and it, it's, it's, it's got me a lot of ter- successful turkey hunts, is those darn things aren't going anywhere, just like big whitetails. They, they, don't, they don't travel like people think they do. Yeah. Now, 
Now I'm talking about Easterns. Uh, you talk about hunting Rio Grandes and maybe some areas of Merriam's, but especially Rio Grandes, they can be a little bit of a road runner where they gobble good in the morning, they hit the ground and they'll take off for miles. Um, and in those instances, you're better off if you're hunting Rio Grandes, like in Oklahoma or Texas, <clears throat> you're better off to let them do their thing. And then, uh, you know, don't fight it and then start about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, eat, eat a good breakfast and then start hitting it hard. And by one or two o'clock, if you strike one and he's usually coming, um, cause they're done with their hens. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, e- Easterns are a little different animal or a bird, I should say, in, in that, um, they just, they're not going anywhere. They get off the roost hens. They're used to hens going to them and, they'll just follow the hens around strut and breed them as, as needed. And, uh, they, they're liable not to move yeah. 500 yards in four hours. Yeah. And, uh, or, you know, or less. Yeah. So the, 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 the Eastern Turkey hunter, which is what you have obviously in Georgia and most of the country and in the Midwest, especially, um, you just gotta really start learning to have patience and stick with them and listen for that for a lot of sign sounds and sign that kind of indicate to you that they're still right there. And if they're still right there, you're still in the game, man. They may not be gobbling. They may shut down, but if you can still hear them spitting and drumming and clucking and purring every once in a while and little light yelps from the hens, man, stay right with them. Cause they, you'll, you'll end up killing that gobbler if you stay with them. And uh, it's, that's tough to teach a lot of turkey hunters. Yeah, I agree, and and I would I would even say that they travel even much less than deer, um, which deer, especially bigger big bucks, I think a lot of people think that they travel a pretty good bit, and which there sometimes they do, but most of the time, like you said, they they usually do stay in the same area mostly all the time. And I yes, think, sir. I think turkeys turkeys travel even even less than that, especially if they got hens. Now, if they got hens that are always there, they're not. They're definitely not going to go anywhere. They're going to stay in one pasture all day long. The um, the best advice I can give for you know uh, on that subject, and, and of course we'll move on. We're going to try and cover as much as we can here in a, in in this podcast, but. Um, Early in the season, when when leaves are not on quite yet, it's pretty open, you need to have patience and not move as much. Later in the season, when the leaves get on and you can get away with maneuvering and moving, you can be a little more aggressive. Um, but definitely early in the season, um, you, you want to use patience and just not bowl and bowl through your areas and walk uh, basically what I call with reckless abandon because you're going to basically bump more turkeys than, than you'll strike. Oh yeah. Um, and because they're there, man, I mean, they're using those fields for, to, to feed in. They're using the, 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 the openings, the, the, you know, hardwood ridge timbers, you know, wherever you're hunting, however your train is, they're using that to feed in, to nest around, to, to, to you know, creeks to water at, you know, or ponds or water puddles. They're not going anywhere all their food and their nesting area and their roost area is all right there. And you just don't need to travel much. Yeah. And so the more patience you can exercise and, uh, 
uh, if they shut down Goblin, just do a lot of blind calling. But what I call blind calling is, by the way, is when you're just basically calling every five or ten minutes as if a turkey's answering your call, but there's nothing answering your call. And you'd be amazed that eventually sometimes you'll end up calling a gobbler in by virtue of you've made it sound like a willing hen's been there for a while and finally you get a satellite gobbler that can't stand it no more and in he comes, you know. Yeah. I mean that's how I've that's the way I've killed probably seventy percent of my birds is by blind calling. Yep. Um Yep. We'll switch gears here a little bit. Actually, not quite switch gear too much, speaking on calling. Say you've got a bird that has no hens. He's responding to you. He's gobbling, but he ain't, But he's still hung up, and he doesn't want to come, which I guess most of the time is usually what happens because in their mind – they know that you're supposed to come to them. Um, what would be your strategy there? Well, first thing I would do is back the calling down. Uh, I, I, I like to paint a picture like the turkey is, the hen has come as far as she's going to come. And so to do that, you back it off. And I'm going to, I'm going to run a call here, but um, work on your soft stuff. What I mean by your soft stuff, your clucking, your purring, your soft feed talk. Um, and if and if you convey that message to that gobbler that, that she's coming no farther either, and now she's she's found a contentment type spot, that relays to them that, well, she's got her little zone and she's feeding in it and pecking in it. and She's really willing to breed, but she's also not willing to walk any further towards me. That creates a little bit of a, a, a anxiety effect on their part. Um, uh, uh, plays on their ego and 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 their anxiety and, and and makes them start thinking. Well, by gosh, if I'm gonna breed this hen, I guess I'm gonna have to walk over and see just what's so great that she's feeding, clucking, and purring on. Um, so it can eventually break them. So it, when I mean by soft stuff, you just take a mouth call and I do the end of my tongue like that with a purr. That little soft stuff, just like that, will, and just constant. You can do it constant because turkeys are doing it constant. You know, you you can stop every once in a while and listen. And you need to anytime you're calling, you need to stop a little bit and listen for sounds back. But just create and and I I will take a little branch, little tree branch, and or my hand and rake the leaves if I know I can get away with the movement. Just make it sound like a little contentment hen feeding you know and um if that don't work then the next uh line of business or next uh, uh act from on my part will be shut the calling completely down make it make that gobbler think that hen just completely walked away so i call it the no call call yeah and the no call call can call a heck of a lot of turkeys in and get them killed uh, and and you got to resist calling you just got to stop calling and that turkey's either going to break or come 
or he's going to walk off. Either way, you got a 50-50 shot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I tell you, man, that, that soft stuff right there you just did, that, that right there was – that got me pretty fired up. <laughs> um, well, everybody everybody wants to do the loud cutting and, and, and calling. And, you know, when a, when a gobbler is hung up, per se – Remember this, they don't, turkeys usually don't hang up because of fences. They usually don't hang up because of creeks. They usually don't hang up because of structure because turkeys have got wings and they've got legs and they can go wherever they want to go. So by gosh, if you can paint a picture to make them want to come there, regardless of that barrier between you and them, they'll eventually break and come. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things Eddie always told me is, a gobbler never forgets where he heard a hen. Yep. And he, he, he said, you don't know how many times that you can call and get, get a gobbler that's fired up, fired up, and then because of a barrier, because of a fence, because of a creek, that gobbler will shut down. But you know what? I'll tell you what. Take it to the bank. Eventually, that gobbler will show up in that spot and look for that hen. And it may be hours later, and nobody usually has the patience to sit there that long waiting for that gobbler to show back up. But eventually, that gobbler will remember where that hen was and be at that spot to check that hen out. Now, the hunter may not be there to kill that turkey when he arrives, but that turkey eventually will remember that and check that area out. Think of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, I did that podcast with Dave Owens, and he that's one thing he always says in a lot of his hunting videos is you may not kill one today, but you know, that's what he's doing, you know, put putting out breadcrumbs. Just remembering yes, sir. putting stuff in the bank. Because they'll yes, be there sir. eventually. And um but there's a lot of stuff you said there that was really good. And um it's like you said, uh, those turkeys they're always making noise and that's one thing I was gonna say was um turkeys are a really noisy animal. Um especially I mean, because they're always purring. They're all, if they're ever walking around feeding and stuff, they're always making little bitty noises and all kind of just soft racket. And um, and then especially like when they're walking around, like they're not they're not like deer. They don't um, they don't sneak through the woods. They they're actually pretty loud. If they, especially if it's in the woods and there's leaves and everything on the ground, they they sound pretty much like a person walking through the woods. I, I I think one other tactic that I kind of skipped over that sometimes I try, sometimes I don't, just depends on the situation, is the more aggressive tactic of uh, of giving like a little fight uh, and kind of make it sound like, uh, you know, basically a gobbler is there and, uh, you know, make or maybe make like a like like uh, some Jake Yelps and, and, and you know, gobbler uh uh, fighting purr um you can do that with the same call you just get more aggressive with it just and you can take and and, and of course flap your hat and make it sound like two two jakes fighting and then shut down yeah. that can sometimes fire a gobbler up and a, a lot of times, and, and, and by the way, this is just a, 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 a Woodhaven real, real hen, cherry.
but a lot of times you can do the gobbler yelps and just gobble. Just like that. And all I'm doing is taking the lid and going. And and that, that a lot of times I'll gobble at it, but now you've made it sound to that gobbler that there's another gobbler moving in on that hen. So that can kind of rush him in. I'm not saying I do that every time a gobbler is hung up, but it is part of the tactics that I will use. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, and that was, you know, talking about, trying to get a bird that didn't have hens. Now, we'll switch it to if a bird does have hens, what would you do there? Uh, one of the first tactics I would do is the fighting purr uh, and the fight uh, in the gobble. Um, so it would be kind of the opposite. Um, then I would back down my call and try the soft calling. A lot of times, um, if you notice, I've never mentioned calling aggressively, cutting, and yelping a lot of times if they have hens with them those hens are intimidated by other hens and those hens when they hear a dominant hen will start basically taking that gobbler away so if you give a subdominant sound and i mentioned i i ran over the cluck and purr earlier softer little soft yelps little soft key keys maybe little lost turkey sounds um sometimes you can get that lead boss hen to say you know what i need to go over there uh, whatever they're feeding on, I need to feed on uh, whatever lost turkeys over there or their motherly instincts take over and you can drag her in uh, and the gobble will follow. Um, but definitely I don't get overly aggressive with them. And I definitely would then end up with the same exact tactic. As I mentioned earlier, I do the no call call, just shut up because what he'll do is eventually he'll figure out none of the, the hens that he is with that he's already bred aren't breeding and he'll get more curious about coming to breed the new hen that he had heard earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good stuff there. Um, and I know, and this is kind of going back to what you said earlier about Jake yelping. Um, I think that's the Jake yelp is really one of those calls that kind of gets overlooked. Um, well, especially now with with the stage calling, as you well know, I mean, it's kind of, I guess, making a comeback or, or whether it be a comeback or not, it's definitely inserting itself into the into the contest world. Um, but a lot of times, especially if you've got multiple gobblers, um, whether they have hens or no hens, uh, it'll it'll definitely get them fired up. Um, I know. Oh, absolutely. And, and Jake Yelp, Jake Yelp is, um, it's a clear call. I don't have a Jake Yelp call with me that I run Jake Yelps with, but you can do it with a regular mouth, regular uh, hen Yelp call and just slow it down and make it, uh, a little, uh, uh, I like a, a little more honk to the Yelp and Jake's will Yelp, uh, unlike gobblers where gobblers will yelp single yelps in two, three slow yelps. A Jake yelp will do more like this.
You see how I now all I did now now listen. I I ran a regular Yelper because here I'll same call. All I did is took that same call and deepened the Yelp and and cleared it off at the end where it was more like a honky uh, sound. Yeah, and, and it sounded like a Jake Yelp. Right. You almost want it. You almost want it to sound kind of like a, almost like a dog barking. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like I said, a, a Jake, Jake's will yelp pretty long series of yelps, um, sometimes, and that rhythm is 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 a hair slower than a hen, but not 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 much, uh, but definitely clearer, honkier, um, uh, uh, deeper uh, type yelp. Um, and he, 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 I think personally, an, a, a dominant gobbler, a big gobbler, big long beard gobbler, is more likely to come to Jake yelping than 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 gobbler yelping or gobbling. And because the intimidation factor isn't there, they know they can they can uh, pretty well, you know, kick some butt if they if they go in on a Jake. Yeah, I know. And the, the reason I was thinking about the Jake yelping. Um, quick story i know it was last year we ended up killing the bird but it took us all season to do it and the way we actually killed him was we got lucky and we were walking out of the woods actually and my buddy philip he looks up and he says hey there's a turkey over there and we'd been hunting them that morning at daylight and they just you know they shut down it got to that point in the morning where they were done they had their hands they were just following them and they weren't going to talk anymore. And, uh, we just got lucky and saw them and we basically just got in front of them, didn't call or anything. And they walked right to us and we were able to get the shot. But, um, but we, we hunted that Turkey all season and it, it always confused me because I'd never seen turkeys. I'd never seen that happen for a whole season. And this gobbler, this long beard, he had, five jakes with him all the time um they never they rarely had hens with them if they did have a hen it was only one but all they would do was be out in the pastures or you know be in the woods feeding and they would just chill and hang out you'd call to them they'd gobble a little bit but they would never come to you and it, it just it was i couldn't figure them out and uh but I remember that one, there was one morning we saw, we got on them and they were all bunched up. They were out in the pasture. We could see them. They just wasn't coming. And I'd done thrown everything I could throw and we'd done tried every play in the book, or at least I thought. And then I said, you know what? I hadn't Jake yelped yet. I said, let me Jake, let's see what that does. Well, I Jake yelped and they got cranked up, man. They started gobbling and. There was turkeys all over the place, all around us that we didn't even know were there. We didn't even know about. And uh, even from Intel, like we didn't have pictures of more birds. Like that was the only group of birds that we got pictures of was these jakes and that one longbeard. But I started jakey up in that one time and man, it woods just came alive and there was turkeys gobbling everywhere. Um, That's but I mean, we well, we ended up not getting the kill that day, but it 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 definitely woke up the woods. 
Well, I tell you, uh, you learn a lesson every time you spring turkey hunt, every day, every time. And, uh, uh, you know, your lesson right there was you change, change up the scenario and you can take turkeys that just seem like they're almost impossible to where they, they're, they can become killable, you know, and, and, um, you know, I always say on, on states that, uh, we have the season all day. I've killed some of my biggest, biggest, longest spurred turkeys towards the late afternoon and evening. And I have not, uh, in my whole turkey hunting career, I'm 58 years old. I've, I've not taken a whole lot of turkeys in the evening. Um, it's just not uh, a normal time for them to cut your call off and come storming in and, 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 and uh, uh, get one killed. Now I'm not saying don't try it uh, or don't hunt, but, um, it get, comes to a period, seems like, between the last, I'd say, the final two hours before dark, that they're just interested in feeding and survival and flying, uh, finding a good roost spot and flying up. And uh, they're, 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 their interest isn't that high in breeding. Um, that being said, doesn't mean you can't get one killed before dark, because it certainly happens. Um, but some of my biggest turkeys have been Basically, I'm, 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 I'm in states you can hunt all day where you take a shotgun with you or a bow, um, whatever your weapon is of choice, and um, set up pretty near a roosting area and call every once in a while. And, I've, uh, man, I have taken my longest bird turkeys that way because they were almost – that same turkey was almost impossible to kill in the morning because he had hens with him and he was a dom, you know, dominant established bird, five, four and a half, five – you know, five, I'm talking whitetails, but four or five year old turkey that just wasn't going to come running screaming in during the day when he had hens with him. But now in the evening, the last few hours, he's wanting to find some company. So, um, again, uh, not, you know, pretty few and far between, but man, I've gotten some great birds doing that that way. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, just like you said earlier, um, a lot of times, no calling is the best calling. Um, no call, no call, call can be very deadly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're, we're kind of coming up on time here. Um, but real, yeah. real quick before we, uh, start wrapping it up, I'd like for you to go through a, uh, a turkey vest dump and, uh, just let us know real quick, like what, what kind of stuff you carry in your vest. Well, I, <clears throat> I'm fortunate enough to, uh, of course, be a pro staff with Woodhaven Custom Calls. So, I mean, first and foremost, I always carry several different types of slate calls, friction calls, um, and a box call. Now, uh, my favorite is uh, the anodized Ninja and slate because uh, it's got that higher pitch and you can get turkeys located with it good. You hear that real high pitch. Hear that real high pitch. Almost want to almost hurt your ear type yelp. Yeah. But that, 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 that will make turkeys gobble. Um, then I, I usually bring a, uh, uh, either a Ninja crystal or a cherry classic crystal with me. Um, so I have a, a aluminum and a crystal call, um, and then a box call, I'll switch. Sometimes I'll carry the real hen cherry, uh, which I just ran for you when I gobbled in Jake Yelpman. And 
He's a beautiful, beautiful hand you up with it. And, um, and, and for locating, it's great because you can take the paddle and if you want to step up the volume. Um, so, and then I also switch back and forth. I love the Ninja, the new Ninja box call by Woodhaven. I, I, and it's a great locator call as well. Um, so I'm able to kind of switch it up a little bit. Um, uh, Mouth calls uh, in the Woodhaven line. I love the Red Scorpion. Um, I'll run it right here for you. I've got one. And um, I love Billy's new uh, glue cutter. Um, and then I love Scott Ellis's design, the, the, uh, the new, uh, black reactor. Awesome call. Um, those are my three favorite Woodhaven calls, um, mouth calls. So, uh, bottom line is I keep a variety of calls. I keep a variety of mouth calls. Uh, I, I have two packages of mouth calls, literally two packages of mouth calls. And in each package, I probably have five mouth calls in each package. And the reason why is I believe eventually calls lose their sound quality a little bit, especially in all latex call um, after they get wet for a while. And I, I like to just switch calls up, switch sounds up. Sometimes one mouth call will strike a turkey's fancy and another one won't. It's, it's just certain Hertz levels that, that uh, or maybe a hen, certain sound hen that they're used to hearing that gets them excited. Um, so I love to keep a different array of calls uh, with me. Uh, in my vest. Uh, I keep a tube call with me. I don't have one handy. I, I apologize, but uh, tube call in my vest. Uh, so box call, two different slates, uh, aluminum and a glass. And then I keep a, a pair of clippers. Um, I keep uh, a, I'm not a big fan. And I'm not going to get into the controversy of fanning versus not fanning. And that's where you put the fan up and, and go to yeah, the bird yeah. and all that. Um, <clears throat> have no criticism towards it or against it. If it's going to get your turkey killed, then I'm, you know, more power to you. But uh, I do keep a fanning uh, by uh, a Montana decoy in my, in my pack. Uh, and just in case I need to use uh, some kind of visual real quick to calm a turkey down, or if I want to try and fan a turkey and get close to one to kill it, um, uh, I use Avian X decoys for my, uh, my good friend, Matt Moret and Josh Grossenbacher sent me some, uh, Avian X's, uh, the, I love a Jake decoy and a hen, the, the looker and, uh, the Jake decoy, uh, great combination. If you're going to hunt a field situation where you want a visual to help you, um, I keep, uh, a variety of strikers in my vest. I keep a Woodhaven owl hooter and crow call in my vest uh, for locating turkeys, uh, of course, early in the morning and throughout the day. Um, oh, let's see, what else? Uh, coyote holler. I like to use a coyote holler. And I will locate turkeys with coyote hollers, especially in the evening when I'm trying to get them roosted. And I get nothing else to gobble. Can't get anything to gobble with turkey sounds. Can't get anything to gobble with a crow call. I'll turn around. Final 
you know, kind of my final try will be a coyote howler. A lot of times that gets a turkey to gobble. Awesome. Sounds like good stuff there. Um, well, Steve, I, um, I sure do appreciate you coming on today, man. I've enjoyed talking with you today. Um, I think we talked about a lot of good stuff. I, I think so too. And I, I, I wanted to, to, to mention that, that, uh, since I know I said this at the beginning of the show and I'm going to say it again, you've heard all that you've heard me run different Woodhaven calls and there's just a, Woodhaven is such a high, high, high quality game call company and they cater to a different type of customer. It's a customer that wants top quality calls that are going to last a long time. And I think you heard that quality in just a little calling that I did in the show. And since I've joined them, my scores have just jumped up to the roof back in the top 12 in the grand nationals. Now uh, back winning and placing and calling championships. And I can't just can't be, can't stress how, how excited I am to be with, with that family of game calls. Uh, and of course with, with Mossy Oak, I've been with for now 30 years. Um, what a, what a, what a great combination of family of, of, of companies to be with in the outdoor industry. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of the, a lot of people that work with those companies and they're all, they're all great, great people. Um, and anybody out there, anybody's interested, y'all go, y'all go check them out check out Woodhaven and Mossy Oak and, there's some really great companies for the turkey world. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Well, appreciate you having me, Ryan. And good luck to everybody that's listening this spring. I hope this uh, podcast maybe helped give you a little tips to get that turkey killed. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you.